Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Thank you so much for that gift of music and song. And Kate, thank you so much for inviting me to participate in this service. We've been working together only two months at the Urban Ministry, and I certainly don't claim to know you well yet. But beginning to get to know you has been a pleasure. And helping to welcome a new colleague is always one of the pleasures of being a minister. So this sermon is really about you, Kate, although I'm happy to have the rest of you listen in as I deliver it. (laughs) When we were preparing to lead worship last weekend at the Brookline Church, You were very clear that you were not to be referred to as reverend, not until this service had taken place. And that was very appropriate. In our tradition, it is only the congregation that can ordain a minister, not some denominational official, not even the ministerial fellowship committee. It is only the congregation that can call a new minister into being in our presence. So your insistence on waiting until this day to claim that title was very appropriate. You were following the letter of the law of our congregational polity. But frankly, I think you also expect some change, some transformation to take place for you and in you today, something beyond a new title in an order of service or on a business card. Note to self, Kate needs new business cards now. (laughs) I think you expect that somehow things will be different for you after today, even if you are not sure what that difference will be. And indeed, you are right. Things will be different. Becoming a minister is not just taking a job in a new field. It is becoming a minister is a calling for all of us. Jack Mendelson, one of the former ministers of this congregation, wrote about our ministry and our calling as ministers. He said, A Unitarian Universalist minister is a person never completely satisfied or satisfiable, never completely adjusted or adjustable, a person who walks in two worlds, one of things as they are, the other of things as they ought to be, and loves them both. Ministers are persons with pin-cushion souls and elastic hearts, who sit with the happy and the sad in a chaotic pattern of laugh, cry, laugh, cry, and know deep down that the first time their laughter is false or their tears are make-believe, their days as a real minister are over. A minister is a person who continually runs out of time, out of wisdom, out of courage, and out of money a person whose tasks involve great responsibilities and little power, who must learn to accept people where they are and go from there, a person who must never try to exercise influence that has not been earned. 
He concludes, the minister who is worthy knows all of this and is still thankful every day of her life for the privilege of being a minister. Things will change for you, Kate. Some of them are simple. You will be expected to be able to deliver prayers on demand. <laughs> Reverend Kate, will you pray for us, please? That may be a little intimidating at first, especially in the interfaith context, where prayer can have so many meanings. It will become second nature to you with time. In his early years as a minister, I know one colleague who carried a couple of short prayers on index cards in his wallet for just such occasions. You have to trust that if you issue the invitation to prayer, the habits of prayer and those around you will kick in. Your words don't have to carry all the water. The people will do most of the work. And you'll be asked to bless more things than you might ever imagine. I was asked to bless someone's dessert at a dinner in Chicago just this weekend. And I did. Yes, yeah, some things will change. When I asked you about your calling to ministry, you didn't respond with a statement of personal theology. You responded with a list of the ministers who have been important in your life and what you learned from each of them. Bob Miller at your home congregation who listened you into speech. Doris Hunter who opened world religions to you. Stan Sears in your college days at Cornell whose intellect you admired so much and of course Kim Crawford Harvey about which so many things could be said. One of them is that she is one of the greatest storytellers in our ministry. Out of your experience with these good ministers, far more so than your studies, you've built up an image of what a minister is. What may not be completely apparent to you now is that every person who come in, you come in contact with has done exactly the same thing. Out of their own experience with ministers and other religious leaders, they have developed an image, an idea, a set of expectations for what a minister is. What changes for you today is that all of those images, all of those expectations will be projected onto you. And they are so inconsistent and so disparate. You will be expected to be serious and somber, yet always have a funny story to lighten the moment. You will be expected to be deeply passionate about justice as you are, yet live a life of moderation in all things. You will be expected to be selfless, to care, to be concerned about those you encounter, even when you are distracted or preoccupied by difficulties in your own life or problems in the world. You will be expected to spend time in study and in prayer, yet attend every committee meeting on the calendar and always stay to the end. <laughs> Not all experiences with ministers are positive, of course. Some people will be wary because they have been bruised or abused by ministers in their past. You will be expected to understand money and be a dynamic fundraiser yet many people will expect that you've taken a vow of poverty. We should talk about that when your review comes due at the Urban Ministry. <laughs> you will expect, be expected to be purer, nobler, 
with a kind of moral near perfection, even when you know how far short of that ideal you fall. As you assume the mantle of ministry, people will expect all of these things of you, and it can be very difficult to manage. If you try to meet them all, you run the risk of losing yourself in the process. As a minister, you are not required to give up who you are. Always let Kate Wilkinson shine through. But in return for all of these expectations, you will receive gifts beyond measure. You see, most people will trust you. They will trust you to have their best interest at heart. They will trust you with their stories, their real stories of triumph and tragedy, of confidence and uncertainty, of disappointment and of fulfillment. They will trust you to always have the image of the beloved community, the kingdom of God, in your heart. People will trust you to be working for the good in their lives and in their communities. People will trust you. It is perhaps the greatest gift of ministry and the greatest responsibility. I know how important the making of justice is to you, Kate. I know how important serving others is to you and the renewed sense of engagement with the world it offers you. I know that service for you is a spiritual discipline. You quoted Annie Dillard to me. How you spend your days is how you spend your life. You yearn for consonance. So do we all. Kate, you, like every other minister I know, accepts the mantle of ministry in the hope that our calling will lead to fulfillment of our dreams and happiness in our lives. We all hope that the work of our days matches up with our aspirations and our dreams. And I pray that that is so for you. Many things will change for you today. Many things will change beyond the title on your business cards. And there is one more thing, one more change I need to mention. It is far from the least important. Assuming the mantle of ministry, putting that reverend before your name, requires more than just managing the many expectations people have of you, more than having a good prayer in your pocket. It is more than just committing your life to the making of justice. It is more even than receiving the gift of trust and the invitation into the real lives of people. It is all of these things, but it is more. You will find, I believe, that your words and your actions will no longer be yours alone. They will be yours, but not yours alone. The mantle of religious leadership means that you stand in a tradition of ministry that goes back thousands of years. Your voice will now speak not only on behalf of that tradition, but on behalf of the spirit of life and of love, on behalf of God, however you name that power and presence in our lives. And that presence will speak through you so that you do not need to speak alone. The theology here can get a little complex, but the experience you will find clear. You will speak in the voice of that love which has never broken faith with us and never will. It has spoken in every generation and in every tongue. Ministers and prophets have given it voice. From the prophet Isaiah.
The Spirit of God has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to comfort all who mourn, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations, the devastations of many generations. You shall be named ministers of God. Welcome, Reverend. <laughs> 